the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, with my co-host, Lauren Deller-Blake, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I'm doing well. That's great. How about um, you? You're gonna, we have a guest this morning. We only have one guest on the show today. And he's coming on, uh, I guess, uh, probably 10 or 12 minutes. Anyway, a very timely guest, Fabian Cousteau, Jacques Cousteau's Ooh. grandson. I've seen him on the news a lot lately. I uh, had a major two-part series interview with Matt Lauer, which was a television show. But uh, he's launching a new program, and I'll keep mentioning this throughout our show, but the new program is called Plant a Fish, which is going to launch on June 7th. How timely is that? Yeah, really. Uh, and, yeah, because we booked him before the oil spill, but, I mean, there's so much to ask him about. But most, you know, for anyone who doesn't know who Jacques, who Fabien Cousteau is, he's the grandson of Jacques Cousteau, um, and he is a, well, he's a documentary filmmaker. Uh, he's done... And obviously, he is a uh, underwater ocean explorer, environmental ambassador, all of those things. So anyway, he's going to talk to us about his new program, and I have lots of questions about the oil spill as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so that's really cool. Anyway, so yeah, he will be joining us soon. So what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Um, I've sort of, you know, nestled into the Adirondacks the past week and a half, which has been nice. So, you know, it definitely gets me out of the... Hustle and bustle zone. It's interesting. It's sort of nice to get away from that. You know, I haven't been watching the news, just unplugged. Back to the womb. Do you purposely unplug yourself? I do now. I went to visit my mother in Baltimore, and literally back to the womb, and uh, <laughs> Barry and I both went, and it was kind of like, I don't want to watch television. I don't want to. I just want to just enjoy her, enjoy being in her house, let her take care of me, and I don't want to know all the stuff that's going on. And I, that's good because it really gives your body and your mind a break. It does. It's a, and the speed in which I move and what I think about needs to be done is very different priorities. So I've been in that mode the past week and a half. And being up in the Adirondacks great because the weather has been like in the 90s. I know. So I love this weather up yeah. here. It's been very hot. Um, so, well, now what can we talk about? You haven't been watching the news. You don't know what's yeah. happening. <laughs> You're going to have to fill me in. What's the update? I think if you turn the news back on, my dear, it's just the same thing. It's the ongoing. Exactly. It's stop. true. Uh, yeah, there's nothing really. Well, you know, it's interesting. I still have my cell phone, obviously, and I, not obviously, but, you know, that still alerts me. CNN still alerts me as to, you know, the big breaking news and, very little breaking news. A couple of things with the soccer matches the recently. I'm, I'm not even paying attention to that, but it was interesting to see that, you know, oh, not much is going on in the world. What about Sierra? Let's talk about that. We can talk about, okay, for anyone who's just joining us, Sierra is um, Lauren's little girl 
who's what three, four years old, four, and, four and now a half, you, as of next week, crazy, huh? Yeah, but uh, let's talk about like what's it like for her to make you know here she is on vacation with you. Is it different for her to be with you all the time? Um, is it a uh, well, an adjustment for her? For her has, to, like, well, she has lots of family around versus when we're home. There's you know it's just us. So she's got a playmate and wherever she goes, not her age, but usually an adult playmate wherever she goes. So. I think that's really different, you know, because we're just home and our with our family is around. So every week there's somebody different and new coming. When you go home with your family, do you regress regress back to being? I think home? we all do to some extent, but I try. You know what? I think I do it less because of her. I'm more conscious of it now, so I don't do it so much. I sort of stay in the more typical mode that I've been in. Because now that you're a mother and you have the yeah, response, yeah, yeah, there's something that calls you has you stay in that space for me yeah. anyway. Uh, I, I think, I don't know what, so yeah, I, I, mean, I when, definitely, when I go back and visit my mother and I suddenly, she can say something or my brothers can call or, and it just brings me back to the time when I had all the, you know, whether my sibling issues or my issues with her in relation to my siblings and I can just get it, I can feel myself getting into feeling that like little girl kind of stuff. Uh, not I used how, to. What? Yeah, I used to, I definitely used to, the, the dynamics have changed with um, my daughter. Once she's, it definitely has changed the family dynamics, but that's true, every person does, you know? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it's, I, it's less for me, definitely, but it's still there to some extent. Maybe it'll always be there, who knows? But most of the time, I can get a grip, and I cannot allow myself to kind of regress into that. It is interesting how easy it is to go there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's why one always needs a good therapist to kind of keep you in line. Absolutely, right? Oh, Absolutely. one thing: healthcare. Baby boomers. This is a pair, I don't know if this is new or not, but this was all over the news this morning. Healthcare and baby boomers. Doctors are going to get less uh, reimbursement for their Medicare patients, which of course involves baby boomers, like twenty-one percent, or going down almost thirty percent. I don't know if it's thirty percent, but twenty-one percent less at least for Medicare patients. So that some doctors are going to, they say, end up just closing their doors and saying, I will not take medication patients anymore because it's not cost effective for me. Wait a second, Medicaid or Medicare? Medicare. Medicare involves, Medicare is for everybody. Got it, yeah. At, at age 65, every, everybody is everybody entitled gets, so right, now to Medicare. Medicaid is, is uh, uh, aid to people who cannot afford medical care at all. It's like... Uh, so am I understanding they're going to be reimbursed less if you're a Medicare patient? Yes. That's crazy. So that affects all the baby boomers are the ones when they turn 65 and that they're going to say that they won't take Medicare patients because they are not getting reimbursed you know, enough to cover their costs. Uh, whether that actually happens, I don't know. But that was the big news this morning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now this I mean, is part of the new health care bill? I went to the doctor yesterday, or I've been doing, I do everything at the end of the year, the same week. I just like to get the whole thing over with, and I'm fairly healthy, so I never go except maybe the once a year, and I get them all in. And I went to uh, two doctors, and, you know, one of them was the primary care physician. I had the most non-thorough exam, especially for somebody who goes once a year. Yeah, really. And crazy. There, yeah, and there were not a lot of people in the waiting room. It wasn't as if she were rushed. As a matter of fact, it was quite quiet. It was dead. Um, not a good expression to use for a doctor. But no, I was, was just going to say that's <laughs> not so good. I'm not sure that's a good reflection of the situation. It was so, so 
cursory. It was such a poor exam. I mean, and this was the second one that I had been to this week. Another one, um, you know, I get the checkup at the cardiologist. And both of them, I mean, I felt were just really lacked in taking time and examining me, the patient, for a a once-a-year visit. Uh, It was very technical and have you considered this medication, you know, me, you know, sort of this medication that they, you know, whether it's statins or taking a aspirin a day or, you know, that kind of stuff to prevent heart attacks, and all, but nothing related specifically to me. I don't know. I thought it was not very good. Right. I think it's time for me to change doctors. I was just going to say that, time for a new doctor. And they're not positive. They don't have an upbeat. No, and I just heard about a really good doctor right in your backyard. Offline, I'll give you that name and number. I don't have it right now, but I just if I were here, I'd go to this new guy that I just learned about. Is this a primary care physician? Yeah, and he's, yeah. I'll get to, I'll get it to you. You know, I think doctors, it's a, it is true. You have, quality services matters these days. And I think attitude matters. You have to have an upbeat attitude. And if you have a patient there and there's really nothing wrong with the person, then look at it in a positive way. They all had this kind of n- negative attitude. Right, right. But I think that um, with the whole, there's lots of issues with our health care. It starts with that right there. That's a, that's a ba- major, major issue. You know, I watch television in the middle of the night when I have insomnia. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they always advertise, besides are you depressed because you're up all night, but the second thing is peripheral artery disease. Do you ever see that, PAD? Yes, I have seen that. But yeah. So I had it in my mind that I perhaps had peripheral artery disease, <laughs> PAD, PAD. So I go into the – because I have sometimes – I have achy legs, and but then I get up and I start walking and I do my – and I feel great, right? So, uh, but still I'm thinking, they said, your legs ache, your legs hurt, you have pip, and I thought, well, maybe that's what I have. So I go to the doctor, and the one doctor said, you don't have, believe me, you don't have peripheral artery disease. And then the second one, I didn't go specifically for that, but I asked him anyway. Then I go to the primary care physician, and just off the cuff, she said, you know, you have great circulation in your legs, in your feet. And I said, oh, really? Why? She said because, and this is just a little tidbit, I don't know if you know this, she said because when I try to get a pulse, you know, they try to get a pulse at your ankles, they uh-huh. get a pulse on your wrists and at your ankles. She said when I do that, she said I, I can get it immediately. Like if you don't really have good circulation in your legs. Or, it's hard it, to find it. Yeah. Interesting. So then I realized, hooray, I don't have PAD. That's excellent. You can, you can not lose any more sleep over that. That's right. They're not going to scare me with that advertisement. But um, anyway, I learned something from that. I, maybe you knew that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you want to test out whether or not you have good circulation in your feet, then just I'm look take, for my pulse as I sit here. Yeah. Take your pulse in your ankles and see what happens. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I do think that we're going to get, you know, I went to a doctor two, two or three weeks ago, right before I came to New York. Yeah, I took both of us because we had sore throats, and I thought maybe we had strep throat, and I didn't want to buy so sick. I just wanted to know what was going on. And this, this particular doctor was really good. I said, you know, this is just a throat swab. I just want that for her, you know, both me and her. Let's do it together, get it done. And I said, it's sort of crazy that I have to come to you and have you do this. She says, I know. She says, I agree with you. She says, there's now a urinary tract infection over-the-counter test, so you can go into the drugstore, buy your own, do the test, and if you're sick, you call the doctor. You know, if you have an infection, you call your doctor. And she says, I think there's going to be more of these out where you're going to do more and more of your own testing. Isn't that cool? 
I think that's true, and I didn't know that. So if you suspect that you have now, well, I have to preface this, Lauren and I are not doctors, but it's just personal anecdotal stuff, but still, check it out. I mean, you can go, you think you have a urinary tract infection. That is very, very common, that. and, and Very and, much, and you, you spend a lot of money going to the doctor for that to either rule it in or rule it out, you know? How about time? I mean, you're trying to figure exactly. out. Exactly. And then some people don't go because it takes too much time, and they figure, oh, it'll go away. So you're saying go to the pharmacist. You can buy a test, like a pregnancy test, except exactly. a urinary tract infection and, test. Exactly. And there's, they, she's really feeling as a doctor, you know, she's like, there's so many things that I do for people that they could do themselves. And she said, you know, I didn't know there was a urinary tract infection test that you could buy yourself. But, you know, I think we should be more aware and pay attention. But interesting, they're not even advertising that. You know, I think that they'd advertise that. That, it's exactly what I'm thinking. Why don't they advertise that on TV? I mean, I don't know. I don't uh, know. Because you know what? There's probably a lot more of them as well. A lot more times. I agree. Uh, we should go to the drugstore and just walk through the testing aisle. I bet you there's now a testing aisle, you know, more and more of it. What do you think about this Gardasol thing? This Gardasol thing, oh, this is an issue that is driving me crazy, and I have to mention this on the air. Gardasol is that vaccination they want to give or they are giving to young girls to supposedly, oh, yeah. allegedly prevent uh, cervical cancer 20, yeah. 30, 40 years later. Yeah, I just, I, it, it's, Lack of education, in my opinion. We need to educate more than this. It's crazy. Uh, to me, it's the pharmaceutical companies trying to figure out how to make more money since they can't sell exactly. HRT to women. Now they're going to try and sell Gardasil vaccines to young girls. Apparently, only not, uh, apparently 52 women, young girls, have died in this country as a result of it, and they've had at least 12,000 reported cases of all kinds of symptoms ranging from very bad to, to mild. And they still... The drug is on the market. In India, where they have had similar results, it, they've placed a moratorium on the drug because they don't want to endanger the lives of these young girls. I, I totally I, I agree with it. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I think it's a serious problem, and I think it's I indicative of not just this vaccine, but perhaps other vaccines as well. And uh, somebody made the comparison, this was on the net, whether these statistics are totally accurate. I think approximately 50, 56 women died or young women died of the, as a result of Gardasil or, that's, or reportedly died. Maybe there are many more, who knows. And only, 50, only 52 people died as a result of the Toyota incident of the cars not you know, going right. out of gear. Right. But Toyota took the cars off the market. Right, I know. It's true. It's true, and we were all really up in arms about this, but we're not up in arms over this issue. I agree with you. So why? Who knows? Anyway, we're going to take a break. Lauren Beller-Blake, Catherine Zox, I'm your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to Lauren and me on VoiceAmericaVariety.com as well as World Talk Radio. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute, and coming up in this next half hour is Fabian Cousteau. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program, Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life. 
and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. He'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The dream big revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the dream big revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Hi, Lauren. Hello. We're back. <laughs> Without our guests. Without our guests, it's just you and I, but we always have lots to talk about. Not always. There's never a shortage of that, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. Women always have something to say. Men, not necessarily. I just got this thing from a PR person wanting to, actually, Men's Health Magazine. Do you ever read Men's Health Magazine? Never. Never? Should I be? Hey, I be you've got to start. Health? You know, you read all the I have a suggestion for you. <laughs> <laughs> We're always talking, well, we talk about where we come from and women and women's issues and entrepreneurship and personal stuff and everything. We're always saying, sometimes, we don't do men bashing, but we do sometimes... I don't know what the word would be, but we kind of like underestimate men. So maybe instead of reading all the stuff that we do that has to do with women and women's work and women's mothering and women's stuff, we should start reading some of the men's magazines to see where they're coming from. So if you're doing that, share, please. What are you, re- what are you finding? What? <laughs> you mean like, is there anything out there? Who cares? Exactly. What are well, you if you go to the train station or the plane or the airport, you always see this magazine, Men's Health Magazine. Yeah, I know the magazine, yeah. 
but I don't pick it up to read it. Well, pick up a copy because Men's Health Magazine talks about all the issues that men have or many of the issues that they have. Some are similar to ours. Others are not. One of the things, one of the recent Men's Health Magazines, the issue that they cover, and we had talked about this last week, we touched on it. Is it okay for men to cry, and if so, when, and when is it okay? Uh-huh. I know you think it's okay for men to cry, because Absolutely. I told you that my boyfriend Barry cried during the movie Mother exactly. and Child. Right. And you thought that was good. I do think it's good, yeah. But apparently some people don't, that it's not masculine, that it makes them look less than uh, virile. And, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, men and tears. What do you think about men in tears? Um, I, I like to see men cry myself. I do, too. I, I like to see them vulnerable. And, yeah, exactly. And it's much more, um, I don't even want to say it's they're approachable, you know, because they are in touch with their feelings. Um, so we agree. It's okay for men to cry. Absolutely. They say one of the things, and I guess, I don't know if this is, this is, um, in the, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen the movie Toy Story 3? No, but I know the story. I know the movie you're talking about. Apparently, this is a movie that men cry at. That it's so that that it's really yes. This is what this is one of the things I guess they mentioned in the article, and because you know everyone's talking about this movie Toy Story Three, and it's impossible for any one man or woman to get by without seeing this movie without crying. My girlfriend's son said you have to see the movie. Now it's an animated movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's animated. I don't like those kinds of movies, but. Anyway, that's one of the depends recommendations. Depends on what I'm watching. They're not yeah, that. Exactly. The well, we have our yeah. guest. He is here oh, now excellent. on the, with us. Yes, good morning. Good morning. It's Fabian Cousteau. Hey, good morning. Is this Catherine? Yes, how are you? Good morning. Have well, very Fabian, well. It's Catherine Zox, and I'm your social worker with a microphone with my co-host, Lauren Deller-Blake. She's here with us as well. Good morning, Hello, Lauren. Fabian. A pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. Well, let me give the formal introduction because it's so exciting. Ocean explorer Fabian Cousteau, who you just heard, is announcing Plant a Fish, a a new not-for-profit to restore and protect healthy waters around the world. Day 65 of the oil spill. We're going to talk about that. Plant a Fish will launch on June 7th in honor of Jacques Cousteau's 100th birthday. And... uh, for all of you, and I think most of you do know this, but Fabian Cousteau is the third-generation ocean explorer who's announcing Plant to Fish, this campaign to help restore and protect healthy waters around the world, continuing a legacy of exploration and marine life protection pioneered by Fabian's grandfather, Jacques Cousteau. Well, all right, Fabian, so obviously this is timely. You were booked for the show before the oil spill, so... <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it certainly wasn't uh, the kind of timing I was aiming for, but uh, it's, it, it definitely is pertinent to what's going on today. Yeah. All right, so plant a fish. Let's be specific. What is the, what is, which is going to be launched on June 7th, what is plant a fish? How you talk about it, um, you tell us, what is it? Of course. And the course. mission. It, well, it, you know, the, the short end uh, is, or the short version is basically, I've had this in my mind for a long time. Uh, we've had tree planting programs around the world that have been very successful for almost 30 years. And, um, you know, that's, that's wonderful and essential. But one thing that was frustrating to me is that we're neglecting the three quarters of our planet that uh, we depend on for life, which is the ocean world. And so uh, one crazy 
3 o'clock in the morning moment when I was reading yet another tree planting program, I said, why aren't we planting fish? <laughs> and little did I know that crazy idea uh, uh, took off. Well, when you talk about replanting fish, I mean, you have some specific areas that you've started out with um, in the world, actually. And one of them is right, I'm in, uh, on the Hudson, so I'm curious because that's one of the things, planting oysters in the Hudson, uh, because we've, what, overfished, we've over-harvested uh, over the centuries, over-dredged, all of that, so we don't have oh, enough, the oyster, there's going to be an oyster program in the Hudson River in New York State. Well, absolutely. I mean, you have to walk before you run. So I, I've, I've planned four programs uh, in different parts of the world for the first year. Uh, the, the kickoff program uh, is oysters in the Hudson River. Why oysters? Quite simply because this was the uh, area where the largest oyster rookery in the world was. Uh, it is uh, responsible for the success, if you will, at least as far as early New York City, uh, with regards to commercial trade of oysters, uh, there is an estimated 9 billion oysters at one point in the Hudson River area, uh, or 350 square miles of oyster rookery. Um, obviously, nowadays, after centuries of over-harvesting them, uh, there are basically no more oysters in this area. Uh, the idea is to restore a semblance of what used to be here. Uh, oysters are extraordinarily important. They are the reef builders uh, of this area. They um, house uh, up to 200 different species that normally live in the area. And uh, they're also a food source for not only human beings, which uh, love oysters, but, uh, but more importantly, fish and crustaceans. Yeah, I have to say, and I'm going to admit to you, uh, Fabian, I've been responsible for eating at least a few hundred of those billion oysters. I love oysters, and especially in the Hudson, you're right. But, okay, so where are other places that you are are, um, (laughs) planting a fish? I'm sorry? Where are other areas that you are planting a fish? There are infinite locations that we could plant, uh, quote-unquote, fish, whether they be shellfish, whether they be the, uh, the proverbial fish, or whether they be plants such as mangroves. The first four programs are oysters in the Hudson, <coughs> mangroves in Florida, uh, the sea turtles, the most endangered sea turtle population in the world, which is the Pacific East Hawksbill, uh, has decided to uh, make its nest in uh, El Salvador, and uh, lastly but not least, uh, corals in the Maldives. Right, so these, I mean, these are great projects, but now, uh, in light of what's happened mm. in the Gulf, does, uh, does this change your mission in any way? I mean, does this add to it, or how, if, how, if it does, um, what do you intend to do? Because, I mean, we have a horrendous problem, obviously, now, um, in terms of, you talk about destroying the ocean. Um, I think we've reached a critical, a point of critical mass, don't you? Well, you know, the, the Gulf oil disaster is, in, uh, is one of epic pro- proportions. It's certainly not the only one that's ever happened. As a matter of fact, if you uh, remember a few years back, uh, that, that oil spill uh, over on the Pacific coast uh, is the reason why Earth Day exists. Uh, that was the kickoff to Earth Day. Uh, the, you know, it, it is a, a, the, the Gulf oil disaster is, is, is horrendous. I mean, it's affecting, obviously, people and fish alike. Uh, it, it's one that uh, has definitely grabbed my attention uh, front and center like everybody else. Uh, has it changed our mission as far as plant a fish? 
uh, it's if anything, it's it's uh, augmented it. Uh, it hasn't changed the mission in terms of of uh, education, empowerment, and restoration. It's it's increased the urgency, especially with what that part of the world uh, to focus on those things. But before we start restoring, we obviously have to clean up our mess, and uh, before we can uh, even uh, think of cleaning up the mess, we have to plug the damn hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we, plug the damn know, hole. I mean, when are we going to do that? Well, and and that's a very good question. Uh, I I join the general public in frustration with regards to that point because uh, we've pushed technology way beyond uh, the the uh, a point of where we can control it. Uh, in in search of our uh, hundred year old addiction, which is fossil fuels, uh, whether it be for plastics or for uh, locomotion uh, fuel in our in our in our vehicles uh, or heating or whatever. Uh, the, you know, I think it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to say, hey, you know, it's not okay to take with great abandon and treat our oceans as both an endless resource and a garbage can because this is what happens when we're careless. Uh, now, there are solutions out there. Uh, some are, are uh, more difficult than others, and, and we need to adopt them regardless if we're to have a, a uh, viable future. Uh, with our one and only life support system, which is this. So what you're saying, Fabian, is and that this, I mean, in a horrific way, but this oil spill has, will serve or is serving to increase public awareness about how important and how connected we are to the ocean in terms of the air we breathe and, and the water we drink and um, the overall effect on our food and our health. Um, I had a terrible thought this morning as I was watching the news. I'd like you to comment on this. And they're talking about this is day 65 of the oil spill, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, you know, this is so disturbing to me. I don't want to see it anymore. But I also don't want to become kind of just acclimated and used to it. You know, I think about, and you probably weren't even born then, but the Vietnam War, uh, we began to, you know, we watched on the evening news all the time. So at some point it became like, okay, that's just the war, and you, it was the same thing. You know, you switch channels to something else because you became used to it, and it didn't bother you as much. And I hope this doesn't happen uh, in the same way with all of the news coverage of the oil spill. Well, I'm, I'm a realistic optimist um, in, in the sense that uh, if we're to take light at the end of the tunnel from this uh, this disaster, is it has grabbed... Uh, the public's attention, who normally might not be um, uh, privy to or or interested in what's happening in our oceans uh, and our planet in general, uh, because now this is a wake-up call that says, "Hey, it's it's going to affect all of us, regardless of where you are on this planet, uh, either in our food sources, our water supply, or what have you." Uh, and we're going to be living with it for oh, at least a decade, if not two decades, to come uh, in terms of the repercussions. So it behooves us, of course, to pay attention to it and clean the mess up as soon as possible so that we, uh, we, we're not um, subject to its uh, detrimental effects as long as, uh, as predicted. Uh, that said, uh, the greatest danger is for us to get too used to the hype in the media uh, and, and get bored of it and then start ignoring the problem that's going to be with us for a long time. Uh, I, I think that's the greatest danger. So I, I definitely agree with you there that uh, we can't uh, turn our backs or, or turn the channel just because we've seen it or heard it for the last 62 days. We're, 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 
it behooves us to pay attention and to see what each one of us can do to fix it. And that we're going to do. We're going to talk more about that when we come back after the break, because I want to talk specifically how you see the oil spill, as you said, not just affecting those in the, in the Gulf, but all over the United States, if not all over the world. Uh, we are talking to Fabian Cousteau, who is the grandson of Jacques Cousteau and his the new organization, Plant a Fish which will launch on June 7th in honor of Jacques Cousteau's 100th birthday. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Deller-Blake on Voice America, Variety.com, World Talk Radio. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. If your pets could talk, they'd tell you to tune in to Pet Shop Talk. Join internationally recognized animal massage therapist Lola Jean Michelin every week for a show that covers everything from nutrition, health care, and training for your pet or animal. Lola and her guest experts will bring you the latest trends in the pet care industry. And even if you're not a pet owner, you'll find out why pets do the crazy things they do. Tune in each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, with my co host, Lauren Deller Blake. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. And Lauren and I are talking to Fabian Cousteau, who's the grandson of Jacques Cousteau. Ocean explorer Fabian Cousteau is here to announce, and he has been announcing, the Plant a Fish, a new nonprofit to restore and protect healthy waters around the world. Plant a Fish will launch, in case you haven't heard this, folks, on June 7, 2010, in honor of Jacques Cousteau's 100th birthday. Uh, Fabian, you know, we're talking about the ocean and obviously our reliance on the ocean, and we need healthy waters for healthy air, healthy food, all of those things. But you have mentioned, and you 
continue to talk about this, which is vital. It, we're not people who live on the coast are not the only ones who are uh, who it's necessary to have a healthy environment, ocean environment for, because it affects all of us. Even if we live inland, even wherever we live in, let's just take the United States. So it behooves us to do something to protect our ocean. So, but. Talk to us about that. How does it affect somebody who lives in Wyoming? And you know, if we, if the waters, you know, the, if the Gulf isn't a healthy place to for plants and and fish and animals. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for for a long time now, we uh, we haven't really had the information uh, available to us as a general public to make informed decisions and and, and to understand that the planet is a closed system, uh, meaning that. You know, everything that happens on land ends up in the ocean at some point, uh, whether it's pollution or what have you. And that pollution, in turn, goes into the food web, if you will, uh, and that ends up on our plates, quite literally, regardless of where we live, uh, whether it's you know, the proverbial fish on your plate uh, or whether it's the ice cream in your freezer. Uh, we're um, dependent on the oceans directly or indirectly, uh, for almost 70% of our food, daily food intake. So it, it does affect each and every one of us. And there have been uh, extensive studies at this point showing the impact and the effects of tainted food uh, with regard to uh, chemicals uh, such as uh, PBDEs, flame retardants, uh, mercury, uh, lead, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that are accelerating and promoting uh, higher cancer rates, uh, learning and behavioral disabilities, um, uh, growth um, disabilities, and so on and so forth in children and adults alike. So uh, we are very much connected to the oceans, regardless of whether we, we uh, like scuba diving or whether we live on the coast or whether we live in, in the middle of a desert. So what do we do about it? What can we do? You know, we listen. I mean, it sounds dire um, and sometimes frustrating, and I think sometimes because it sounds dire and frustrating, a lot of us will get into this whole denial thing and just not want to deal, well, you know, that's for somebody else to deal with. That's for <laughs> Baby and Cousteau to deal with, but what can I do? <laughs> I, I, I wish it were that easy. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, we're, we're all in the same boat, uh, quite literally. Uh, uh-huh. And, and uh, the, the, the tasks and the information that we're getting daily, it can be daunting and overloading. And, of course, our knee-jerk reaction is to uh, turn our heads or to or shut our ears. Uh, but out of sight is not out of mind. Uh, that doesn't make the problem go away. And uh, as we're finding today more and more, uh, because we've been doing that for so long, uh, the problems have exponentially gotten worse. Uh, that said, the solutions, there's no silver bullet, but the solutions uh, are and can be fairly simple, especially for an individual or a family, uh, with regards to the cumulative effect. So that uh, if each and every one of us start learning to curtail our bad habits, and bad habits can be very simple, uh, such as learning to uh, dispose of certain things, uh, such as batteries or chemicals in our households, or plastics, you know, single-use plastics such as wrappers and things like that, in the appropriate manner. Uh, we've already uh, cumulatively made a huge impact. So, you know, instead of having one million tons of plastics washing into our oceans every day because of our neglect, if we can start curtailing that problem, uh, then we are working towards 
uh, more symbiotic relationship with our life support system, which is our planet. Uh, that, in turn, makes us healthy. So healthy oceans mean healthy people. So from a psychological perspective, because being a social worker, I'm always interested in that, we have to feel there has to be some element of guilt if we're, when we're, you know, all, like you're talking about plastic containers. I mean, I, I'm on Cape Cod in the summertime, and I see those plastic, the styrofoam stuff washing up on the beach. It's sickening. I mean, and it's unnecessary, and we don't have to do that. And I, I actually one of those people who go out on the beach and clean it myself every once in a while with my green garbage bag. I don't know if I'm helping. I mean, that's, that, that's a perfect example of what people can do. You know, instead of walking by that piece of plastic, pick it up, throw it in the garbage can, put it in the, dispose of it properly. It, it shouldn't be on that beach. And that's just the stuff we see. I mean, I, I won't even describe the things that are floating out in the Pacific, the Atlantic, in gyres that don't end up washing on shore. They end up just staying there in this plastic soup. And I hate to be going back to plastics only. Those are the things that float. But uh, I, I couldn't even begin to describe what's down at the bottom. Uh, the, the idea is really to, to keep all that out of the system. Uh, so, yes, I mean, there, there are a lot of very simple solutions that don't cost anything that actually, believe it or not, make you feel good when you do them. Uh, and and the, the guilt part of it, uh, if uh, I'm not a big proponent of making people feel guilty, I like empowering people, uh, but if, if anything, look into your child's eyes. I mean, this, this is their future. What do you want for them? Do you want them to inherit the mess, or do you want them to enjoy things that we've taken for granted? Uh, and, and I think that, uh, that the choice B is probably a much better one for, your, for all our children than, than choice A. Yeah, take responsibility, and we do have the choice to take responsibility, as you say, doing things in a, what seems to be a small way is not a small way if millions of people did just that. Get your green garbage bags, go out there, clean up, feel bad at least, maybe not guilty. I'm not a guilt inducer either, but just at least have a sense that I can't walk by this stuff. I have to do something about it, and, and then it builds, you know, once you do it, you'll do it again, and, you know, you'll pick up that garbage. I want to ask you about this. I had, and I don't know if there's any truth to this or not, but uh, on the net, there was some, um, I had read several articles about the fact that because of the oil spill and because of the chemicals they are using to clean up the oil spill, we are going to create some kind of, and this is a very basic understanding of it, some kind of a, a soap cloud of chemicals that is eventually going to be, go up in the atmosphere and then, of course, through weather and hurricanes and um, storms and stuff, will be dispersed throughout the United States and then it will fall on the land and it will affect the uh, land that we use to, to, to plant vegetables and everything else, fruits and whatever, and that we're going to be eating that stuff. Is that something that is, is that true? That's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you, you can't fight chemicals with chemicals when you're dealing with the oceans. Uh, it, it's a three-dimensional uh, erratic system that once it's in that system, it's going to go all over the place. Uh, and, and, you know, throwing very well-known carcinogenic, uh, carcinogen toxic chemicals onto oil to, quote-unquote, disperse the oil so it's out of sight, out of mind, and that's all that it does. It, the oil is still there. It breaks it up into smaller uh, smaller globules, which then get absorbed more easily into the food chain, uh, into, uh, the, it evaporates more easily into the atmosphere, uh, and then, of course, lands 
uh, not only in our lungs but on land, et cetera, et cetera, uh, is it's it's uh, a travesty. It shouldn't happen that way. There are a lot of technologies out there that are much more uh, much lower impact, uh, such as um, the um, the skimmers from Ecosphere that basically use a centrifuge system to uh, suck up to one million gallons per unit per day of water takes all that chemical soup, if you will, the, the crude and the oil and everything else, out and uh, ejects clean drinking water uh, that's been aerated and oxygenated back into the oceans. I mean, that, that in itself has a much lower impact than throwing just a bunch of chemicals to try and hide the fact that we've got 65,000 barrels a day going into the Gulf Coast. So, Fabian, why do we do that, or why did we do it, or why are we doing that, throwing chemicals on chemicals? Well, uh, you know, <laughs> without pointing fingers, <laughs> but, it's one of those things yeah. where, where it, you know, it, it may have been originally born out of a good idea, uh, not knowing or, or really not understanding the long-term effects of that, uh, and it may have been perverted because, uh, of the notion that if we hide the problem, people will stop looking at it and complaining about it. Uh, and, and it's just not a solution. We, cannot, we can't sweep things under the rug. Uh, our rug is already full of things that have been swept <laughs> under. Uh, and, and I think that's probably uh, between that and, and the desperation uh, of the of the the, the problem and, and the monumental issues that we're facing uh, may have been some of the promotion of using those chemicals for uh, to combat the the, the problem. It's it's just not the right way to to look at things. Uh, well, it has been a real pleasure. I mean, to have you on the show today because boy, you've given me a lot to think about, and I obviously and my and the audience and uh, our listeners. Uh, so tell us first of all. Specifically, if we wanted to get involved with your programs, what do we do? What websites do we go to? And not only us, but our children, because I see you also involve children, education. You know, it's the whole community that is involved in this, uh, well, your, the plant of fish uh, restoration. So um, give us some, before we get off, some specifics about how to connect with you and plant of fish. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it, it, it's definitely about the, the children and, and local communities, uh, you know, taking a peek in their backyard and, and restoring their backyard, so to speak, their aquatic backyard, uh, and connecting them, empowering them. Uh, it, you know, the, the easiest way is uh, www.plantafish.org. Uh, if you mistakenly put .com, it will work also. Uh, that will give you a lot more information about how to uh, get involved whether it's uh, get involved through donations or uh, start a plant-a-fish program in your local community or your school. Uh, and, um, and that's definitely a good way to start. Uh, we have to see our, our, our world uh, and our oceans as a bank account, and we have to stop eating away at the capital and start living off the interest. Yeah. I think most of us who have gone through the economic crisis can kind of feel that a little bit uh, better uh, through those words than, than trying to describe uh, what it's like to be in the oceans. You're right. Take a lesson from Wall Street. We didn't do well there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, we, we have to start living off our, uh, or stop living off our credit. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, we'll be much healthier and happier for it. Great advice. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Catherine. Fabian Cousteau.
Plan to Fish, launching on June 7th in honor of Jacques Cousteau's 100th birthday. We're going to take a short break right now. You're listening to Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller-Blake, VoiceAmericaVariety.com, and we're also on World Talk Radio. So don't go away, and we'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Welcome back, Lauren Beller Blake. And we still have with us Fabian Cousteau. We have lots more to talk about. I guess we didn't really finish, did we? Um, <laughs> because we continued to talk during the break, and I wanted to uh, bring up some uh, new topics with Fabian. And if you're just joining us, Fabian Cousteau, Jacques Cousteau's grandson, uh, is launching Plant a Fish on June 7th in honor of Jacques Cousteau's 100th birthday. And there's just so much with this plant of fish thing um, that, of course, in light of the oil spill, and as I said, 65 days into it, uh, his, Fabian, your timing has been amazing because, boy, they need you now more than ever. Um, you know, one of the things is that we talked about earlier in the show that I want to get is this whole concept of awareness. And you just mentioned something. We have to be, I don't think that we're really, we, maybe we are now, but we have to be aware, as you say, to live, what did you say, with the planet, with, not with the just planet, on, rather, the planet. on the planet. Correct. Yeah. And, and a it's whole a, new it's way a of looking concept. at our, kind of our, uh, where we are in terms of 
of uh, how we utilize the planet? Well, we, we need to see our, our planet, uh, I think I had mentioned this before, uh, as a bank account, uh, and we need to start living off the interest rather than the capital. Um, you know, for far too long we've, we've been living on this planet rather than with this planet, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's become uh, very detrimental to our health. Do you think we've gone too far sometimes? I mean, I was in Baltimore uh, this weekend, and the cab driver is driving me to the airport, and he's saying, you know, we're, this is it, we're cooked. I mean, so, uh, you know, he sounded, he's, you know, c- kind of really in despair, like we've gone too far, we can't go back again. You know, like you make the analogy between this and, and our bank account, and I said what happened on Wall Street, you know, like the Greek economy went too far and they just went over the edge because they just didn't take care of business. Have we done that environmentally? I would say I understand uh, the frustration because there are a lot of people that feel that way, that, that, that feel frustrated uh, to the point where uh, it's a runaway freight train and, uh, you know, everyone's kind of throwing their arms up in the air. And that's not quite true. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that uh, use their frustrations in positive ways that to try and make a difference and change the course uh, of our actions uh, so that we have a viable future. Uh, there, there are a lot of, of, of small stories of success here and there. Uh, you know, they, it's not enough to have uh, the Fabian Cousteaus of the world out there doing it. We all have to pitch in and do it. And what I was mentioning during the break is it actually feels good. It feels good to make a difference. Uh, whether it's a small difference in our everyday lives or whether it's starting uh, a plant-to-fish program or some other action, maybe a recycling program in your, uh, in your office. Uh, I had, a, I had a, the, the great joy of hearing back from uh, my uh, speech down in uh, McKinney, Texas, and one of the gentlemen that was attending that speech uh, was uh, moved enough to start a battery recycling program at his uh, at his uh, manufacturing center, and it's met with great success. So all of us can do these things. It's just a matter of, of reprogramming our brain to think about it and to go, ha, huh, maybe what I'm doing today I can change or modify uh, to make uh, a less of an impact on our planet. And, of course, that, goes, that, that spans the gamut from uh, maybe changing the uh, routes we drive to the vehicles we drive to, uh, turning off the lights, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. I mean, it's, there, there are thousands of ways we can make a difference. I shouldn't admit this, but the minute the oil, I mean, the day after the oil spill, and I have three sons, one of them emails me and said, in huge letters, get, and I hate to admit it, get rid of your SUV now, <laughs> which is what he's been telling me to do. I've had it for a few years. I think the next time around... I would feel, I don't want to use the word guilty, but uncomfortable getting an SUV. That's well, a good thing. You know, SUVs are uh, just one example that happened to be at the, in the crosshairs of the argument. And, you know, it, it, we, we have to think about it this way. When you buy a vehicle, when you use a vehicle, you're using most of the energy of the oil, the gasoline that you're using to move the vehicle and yourself for the vehicle. So, you know, you're, you're basically throwing money out the window. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're moving a 3,000-pound vehicle to move a 150-pound person or 100 or 200-pound person. A 110-pound uh, person. Or a 110-pound <laughs> person. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, if, you're, if you're moving a family of six, then, yes, obviously an SUV probably makes sense. If you're in it by yourself, 
98% of the time, then it makes absolutely no sense. See, I've never had it broken down that way for me. Have you, Lauren? See, when you say it that way, Fabian, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, that's very specific, not just get rid of your SUV. But I never thought about that. Yeah, this... And it is. It's only I, one little person riding around in this huge, monstrous vehicle. That for why? For it's not cost effective. I mean, if you switch from that to say a fairly fuel efficient car, already you're doubling your saving, uh, not only in the purchasing of the vehicle, but also in, in the, your daily fuel costs. Uh, it's it's uh, and maybe even in your insurance. I, I don't know, but. Well, this is the kind of thing, and I always go back to the children, and I know that's obviously that's who you're working with as well. I mean, these are the kinds of things that have to be taught in elementary school. I mean, it has to be part of the curriculum, not something that happens later when we have an oil spill or when, you know, you're, you're in your 20s or 30s or even older. You ha- start when you're five years old to have this, the kind of rhetoric that you're talking about I- in- introduced into the school system as part of the curriculum. What do you think about that? Well, we have to encourage people to and children to be, you know, as as a human, as a species, we have a tendency to be reactive rather than proactive. And in the school curriculum, it'd be it'd behoove us all to teach children and adults to become proactive rather than reactive, uh, and and that includes making those choices, those everyday choices, uh, whether it's. Uh, choosing a sustainable option in terms of uh, fish, uh, or whether it's choosing a vehicle, or whether it's um, anything else in life, really. Uh, it, 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 it's a payback at the end of the day. It's an invisible payback, but it's a, it's a huge payback. Yep, proactive instead of reactive. And we're going to say goodbye on that note. And now we really are saying goodbye because it is the end of the show. Thanks again for being on the show, Fabian Cousteau. I'm going to announce it again. Plant a Fish will launch on June 7th, 2010, in honor of Jacques Cousteau's 100th birthday. Great talking to you today. Catherine, Lauren, thank you very much. I'm Catherine thank Zotti, you. social worker with the microphone. Lauren Deller-Blake, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.